Hey everyone, it's Stephanie from True Crime Anonymous. I just want to tell you about this app called Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it is everything you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. True Crime Anonymous may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, all my true crime addicts. Welcome to the very first episode of True Crime Anonymous. I am so excited to start telling you guys all of these stories that I have in mind and all of the projects within my project that I have so many super special things that are going to be happening and I can't wait to share it all with you guys. The first case we're going to talk about today is of a five-month-old baby and her name is Sabrina Eisenberg. So let's get right into it. Baby Sabrina was born to her parents, Stephen and Marlene Eisenberg, on June 27, 1997. She was the third child belonging to the couple. And let me tell you, she was absolutely adorable. She had tons of brown hair, big blue eyes, the That combination in itself is gorgeous. I love, love, love brown hair with blue eyes. It's not very common and it just looks so special because those big blue eyes just lit up her whole face. And she had the chubbiest little cheeks. She, She was just so cute. But yes, she was the third child belonging to Steve and Marlene. They also had William, who was eight, and Monica, who was four. And they lived in a nice, uppity-uppity suburb of Tampa, Florida. And on the morning of November 24th, 1997, in their quiet little suburb of Tampa, Marlene was up at 6 a.m. to start what she thought would be a normal Monday morning. And in my house, I don't know about your house, but in my house, a normal Monday morning is complete chaos. Um, So this day would be no different. She woke William up, her oldest, and brought him downstairs to the kitchen made him breakfast, got herself a coffee, you know, was making his lunch, packing the backpack, doing all those mom things that you do on a, on a Monday morning. And 
she looks over and notices that the door in the kitchen that goes out to the garage was slightly open and she kind of is like what the heck why how i don't understand and she goes to close it but when she does she notices that the garage door is open and immediately she panics literally panics you know she doesn't even you know go ask her husband if he left the garage door open or anything she just panics and runs upstairs busts open the door to Sabrina's room and goes to the crib and looks in and baby Sabrina's not there and she loses it like Sabrina is five months old. It's not like she could have got herself out or anything. She's five months old. She can't walk. She can't crawl. She was probably barely even sitting up at that point. You know, maybe she was able to roll over, but yeah, no. So the baby's gone. Like, So all the questions are coming in her head all at once how, why, what, like, whoa, WTF, where is baby Sabrina? So Marlene runs over to the neighbor's house, banging on the door, boom, 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 at like 6.30 on a Monday morning. And her neighbor comes to the door. I can just imagine somebody was banging on my door on Monday morning at 6.30 a.m. I would be so mad. So her neighbor is like, hey, good morning. Like, what's up? And Marlene's freaking out. And she's like, do you know where my baby is? I can't find my baby. Do you have her? Like, and she's like, no, I don't have your baby, and no, I don't know where your baby is. And she's like, you should probably just call 911. Just call 911. So she's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's probably a good idea. So she calls 911. The police show up within minutes, and the house immediately turns into a crime scene. And the police notice right away that there's no sign of forced entry. There's like no busted windows or, you know, the doors aren't busted. The, it's just the garage door is open and the door that is, goes from the kitchen to the garage is open. And the Eisenbergs had said that they don't, they never locked that door because they didn't really see a need to lock it since it was, you know, the garage door would be down. And so there's like no, there was no reason for them to lock it. But in this situation, I think maybe if the door was locked, maybe, well, I don't know. You know, I just think locks keep out good people. 
you know, bad people will figure out how to open it. I don't know. Thinking out loud and getting off track. So, there's no sign of forced entry. Nothing. So, you know, the police go and, you know, canvas the neighborhood. They're asking neighbors all the questions that police would ask you know did you see anything out of the ordinary did you hear anything did anybody see anything so one of the neighbors says yeah I took my dog out to go to the bathroom at like one in the morning and I thought I heard a baby crying like the faint sound of a baby crying but I thought it was a little weird because none of my immediate neighbors like right to the left of me and to the right of me don't have babies so I didn't really think anything of it until you know all this commotion started and so yeah he tells the police that he heard the faint sound of a baby crying at one in the morning but didn't think anything of it which is weird but okay uh the police have nothing else nobody's seen anything nobody heard anything the parents they say they don't know anything but you know now this Everyone in the neighborhood is freaking out. They are like, we got to lock the kids up, basically. You know, this is a safe neighborhood. And now everyone just feels really violated, really scared, really on edge. Because there's a baby kidnapper on the loose. And they didn't know if they were going to be next or if this is just a one-time thing or if it's the parents are they living next to a monster or monsters they didn't know so crime scene investigators were brought in but they really didn't find much they found like seven fingerprints a partial footprint and like one strand of hair but all of these things like could have been just in the room you know throughout the house you know everybody's house is covered in fingerprints and hair and you know so um they were sent off for testing um and they asked the parents listen is there anything that's missing besides your child and marlene notices that um, her blanket is gone and that's it you know, like whoever took this baby wasn't planning on feeding them apparently because like his bottle was still there the binky was still there it was just the baby and the blanket were gone sabrina was wearing these little lavender jammies with floral prints on them and the blanket was like handmade uh, it was yellowish and it had like this yellow piping around it. And because it's a baby that was kidnapped, naturally the media was all over this. 
they were posted up outside their house and just, you know, taking pictures and videos and, you know, asking, trying to get them to answer questions and all those things that media people do. And the FBI was also called in to deal with this case. They needed to find this baby. The day after Sabrina went missing, Steve and Marlene were filmed leaving their home with investigators, getting into like the investigator's car, laughing, smiling, and the media did not like this. They were like, how could you laugh or even crack a smile when your infant daughter is literally missing? You don't know if she's even alive. Like, how could you even smile? In the Eisenberg's defense, they had said that the investigators, one of the investigators had told a joke or something and they just naturally laughed I don't know I don't think I would be able to laugh so shortly after such a tragedy um well at that point it's it's not like a tragedy but still your baby is gone so I guess so I I literally I I don't even think I could stand up if my child was missing and shortly after that, they taped a public appeal pleading for baby Sabrina's safe return. And the media, once again, tears Marlene apart. They said she was stiff and looked detached and coached and un uninterested. This just made it worse everyone thought they had done something or at least knew something and you know because everyone thought they were guilty or maybe they were guilty or just because that's this is what you do in these situations they lawyered up they got a lawyer and you know media was like you're guilty you know you lawyered up real fast um but I guess they just wanted to play it safe. And police literally had no leads. Nothing was popping up. There was no, you know, credible tips coming in. Nothing. And they just decided to investigate who was closest to the baby. And that was the parents. You know, they even questioned the kids. And... The police just really thought that Steve and Marlene knew where she was or knew who had taken her. Because the whole universe pretty much, you know, thought they were guilty, the Eisenbergs were like, look, we'll do whatever you want. We will even take a lie detector test if that's what you want and the police were like fine let's go let's do that and so they both Steve and Marlene take lie detector tests separately 
and Steve passes, but Marlene's came back inconclusive. I know that lie detector tests aren't 100%. Um, I know that they like go off your heart rate and naturally, I think I would probably fail because my heart rate would be through the roof because I would be so stressed out over this situation. Um, you know, her baby just was taken out of the home. So I know that I would be a messy mess. And so hers is inconclusive. But police also, three weeks after the baby was taken, tap their phones and it's a little shady how they went about, you know, getting uh, permission, but apparently they were taped um like saying all these crazy things um like the baby's dead and buried and quote it was found dead because you did it the baby is dead no matter what you say you just did it end quote and steve says quote i wish i hadn't harmed her end quote, and quote, and they don't know the truth, right, end quote, like, pretty incriminating stuff, right, and, like, the police were, like, really determined to press charges against the Eisenbergs, but they really didn't have, like, proof they thought it would be just like a, an open and shut case once the evidence, you know, was processed. But no charges were levied against the Eisenbergs and months passed by with no baby Sabrina. And then years go by and no baby Sabrina. And in 1999, Steve and Marlene, with their two children, William and Monica, relocate to Maryland into Steve's childhood home. Steve and Marlene were actually both from Maryland originally, but had moved down to Tampa. But I, I get it, like... They wanted to, um, you know, just be out of the media's constant, you know, microscope and just be far away from the situation. But at the same time, I don't know if I could have left knowing, like, my baby was gone down there. Like, I, I just don't know. I don't know. Um... Now, this is where it gets crazy. Out of nowhere, this guy named Dennis Byron was, he was like a criminal turned 
prison police informant says that his cellmate is talking and he's talking about what he did to baby Sabrina. And Byron gets like a, a Walkman tape recorder thing, probably from like commissary or maybe the police gave it to him. I don't know how he obtained this thing. And he tries to get his cellmate, Scott Overbeck, to tell it all. And he does. Apparently, the two... But the two knew each other before they were locked up. And they even lived together near the waterfront. And in this house is where they spent their days partying. Funded by... Overbeck's inheritance but it was after one of these drunk drug fueled days that Overbeck apparently confesses to something Overbeck says to Byron that he had been asked to dispose of Sabrina's body he said he trigger warning this is this is um this is kind of graphic. He chops up the body and dumps her into crab traps in waters along the Courtney Campbell Parkway. He also went on to say that he got her, like he retrieved a bag with um, Sabrina inside already deceased from the Eisenbergs home before she was reported missing. Overbeck even showed Byron a small ski boat that he docked near the waterfront. It had like a little small compartment in the front and it was just big enough to fit a baby. And that's where he put her. And so he puts her in the little compartment and he sails out to sea and does what he says he did. He chops her up and puts her in the water. And apparently he had done so at the behest of a longtime investigator for the law firm that would eventually represent the Eisenbergs following the accusations of the Tampa police. So, with all of that said, the Eisenbergs again become suspects. Detectives showed them, like they, detectives call them down and, you know, bring them in and are like showing them photo after photo of like uh, people to see if they recognize like Eisenberg or anybody. Um, they showed them pictures of, like, boats and objects. And um, they asked them if, like, do you want a boat? And they asked, they even asked Marlene if she had ever had an affair with Overbeck. And they just answer no to all of the questions. So federal prosecutors indict the Eisenbergs. They were accused of lying about Sabrina's disappearance. 
And the Eisenberg's lawyer was like, this is crazy. And he called for a dismissal. And police just really wanted the Eisenbergs so bad. But all charges were dropped after the judge, like, questioned the way that law enforcement went about collecting evidence and basically was referring to um, about the permission for bugging their phones. They didn't get the proper permission, so he threw it out for that reason and another reason that the quality of the recordings was literally so bad that what they were saying was basically like a guesstimate like they were they weren't be able to decipher it too well so that was thrown out and Overbeck was also found not guilty there was absolutely no evidence to support his confession. Nothing. Like, this happens all the time um, where prisoners will hear about a, a famous case and then try to involve themselves in it for, like, maybe, you know, time off of a sentence or just to get out in the free world and, and you know, make, you know, their day different. This happens all the time. And it's really, really sad. It really, really is. And nothing really happens after that. And the case goes absolutely cold. I mean, the over... The Eisenbergs actually, like, sue the department, you know, and they get money because they were falsely accused and this that and the other thing and they were suing for a lot but the judge was like nope like we have you know laws in place for these specific situations and you know we're giving you this amount and like that's it and just get out of here <laughs> But the case goes completely cold. But in 2003, there was a baby who in reports is called Paloma Unknown. And every time I say this, I want to say Paloma Unknowna. <laughs> I don't know why, but Paloma Unknown. And she was abandoned in 1998. Brought from Mexico to Texas by a teenager claiming to be her mother. She gives her to a woman named Molly Garcia. And the baby, like, gets passed around a few more times between, from, like, person to person. And, like, ends up all the way in Pontiac, Illinois. And a woman had saw... Sabrina Eisenberg on like a billboard and was like oh my god this baby my friend's baby or child at this point looks just like her and she brings it to 
Paloma Unknown's guardian, she brings it to her attention and she's like, you know, your child looks just like Sabrina Eisenberg. And the woman actually calls the Eisenbergs and the Eisenbergs, the Eisenbergs actually agree. Like, this child looks like Sabrina. And DNA was collected from Paloma Unknown. And after what seemed like forever to everyone, the DNA results come back and the DNA results proved that Paloma Unknown was not Sabrina Eisenberg and that child is actually still unidentified today pretty much devastated the Eisenbergs kind of like pick themselves up try to move on they end up both like getting their real estate license and like focus on raising the two kids they have left and they actually become really successful real estate agents they sell big money houses in the DC metro area like I looked on their website and they are literally like this powerhouse team that is like selling four million dollar homes three million dollar homes crazy crazy these people have money uh, they just continue on and live their lives together you know they stayed married and Sabrina's case at this point is colder than ever and it stays that way. But randomly in 2017, a woman contacted the Eisenbergs through Facebook. And she said she could find no record of her existence for like the first five months of her life. No pictures, no hospital records, nothing. Like... This is crazy. Like, the same thing is happening again. She apparently also resembled the Eisenbergs' other kids. Like, she looked a lot like them. And I don't know if it was just the Eisenbergs' hope that, you know, fueled them to believe that she looked like them or if she actually really did look like them or... For whatever reason, they decide that they want to get DNA done. And a private company goes and takes the DNA from this woman. And that's where our story ends. The DNA results were never released. Will we ever find Sabrina? Is she alive or dead? There are literally so many questions. I have so many questions and I'm sure you do too. You can make your own conclusions. 
you know, I have, and I have a few, you know, I, I really think that they had something to do with this. I think maybe that's why they're still married to each other, you know, like, maybe they're just like, if you leave me, I'll tell, I'll tell them the truth, you know, and they might both say that to each other, or maybe someone did just come snatch their baby and maybe um overbeck really did chop her up and put her in the ocean but at this point it really looks like we will never know and that is my first episode episode one sabrina eisenberg all done and right now we are on anchor that is the app and we are also on spotify just search true crime anonymous in the spotify search thing and we will pop up and if you want to become a supporter of our show in the intro there is a link click on the link and there are three levels there's 99 cents a month, 5.99 or 4.99 a month and 9.99 a month. And I would greatly appreciate it if you could help us out. Um even, you know, just clicking follow helps me out so much. And I already have the next episode in the works and this one is a solved case, the next one, and I really think you guys will enjoy it. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen to me ramble on and on and on. And I hope that you will come back next time. Have a great day, everybody.